0: Hello and welcome to another Perusia podcast. I'm Shabba your host, and excited uh, with a good friend of mine, our uh, guest in the studio, uh, none other than the author of this latest book, The Art of Practical Catholicism, Part Two. It's George Manassa. He's live in the studio with me now. George, how are you going? I'm well. How are you, Shabba? Yeah, praise God. Very well. Uh, congratulations on this book, uh, uh, The Art of Practical Catholicism. This is the second version. We launched the first one only a year, just over a year ago, a year and a half ago, and um, that's been fantastic uh, and well received. And it was actually twenty twenty. So we're going two years now. Two years, yeah. Unbelievable.
1: Yeah, during actually uh, a short lockdown yeah. of the northern sub- northern right.
0: beaches. I was confused yeah. which lockdown it was. I remember <laughs> because we had to. <laughs> um, but no, well done. Um, how have you been? Really, really busy. Really, really busy
1: uh, running business and the, the, that's the day to day things and and um, many weddings. Actually, yeah. uh, several weddings, actually, with friends and, and, and really uh, and running the show, the day-to-day living of Christian life. So it's, uh, it's been a very busy year so far. It's been a very busy year. I can't believe we're already in August. It's, it's, it's really, really, uh, flown by
0: very quickly and, uh, we're already here. So it wasn't that long ago when you had your own wedding. Yeah. Remember that? What, yeah. what uh, how long has it been now? It
1: has been two years, um. Two uh, sorry, two years and two months. Okay. Yeah. All right. Almost two months. Was the book the first book launched before or after the wedding? It was launched before the wedding. Before it, okay. Um after I got engaged. Because uh, as you can see, it was dedicated to my then fiance. All right. Ikita, now my wife. Beautiful.
0: Now she's been a um a big part of, of the whole journey um uh, with Cutter Toolbox as yeah. well, hasn't she? What role has he, she played?
1: Well, she was uh, essentially a co-founder working yeah. with me uh, to produce uh, a lot of the um, a lot of the editing, the marketing, the social media for the show when we first started and a great support and also a very, um, uh, also a co-host as well. She's hosted many of her own episodes on the show and she'll be coming back very shortly. And we've had great feedback with my wife coming on board. <laughs> I don't know, people, <laughs> she's proven to be very popular. People love when she comes on. Maybe it's a dynamic of a husband and a wife, uh, <laughs> where, where, you know, just the dynamic of a husband and a wife speaking. So pe- people have re- very much enjoyed having her on.
0: Oh, well, great. Looking forward to having it back on. Yeah. Now, it's, it's, you have been busy. Um, so many people may not know but it's not just the books that we talk about, but it's, it's from the Catholic Toolbox, which yeah. comes from a show that you, you host every week, the <laughs> Catholic Toolbox show. Yeah. Um, When did that, when, when did you start that?
1: I started the Catholic Toolbox in, uh, the beginning of Lent in the year 2019. Okay. Yeah. Lent. So it was about February. Uh, but it was founded in essence, uh, in late 2018 when I attended, uh, it, I was working in project management, managing a fairly large project at the time. And we attend every single week meetings called toolbox meetings mm-hmm. on the job sites. Now, as, as a junior project manager, I was uh, required to attend those meetings and they were usually on Monday mornings yeah. and those meetings were to strategize practically how we're going to deliver the project on time, cost and quality for that particular week. What are the practical, what's what's the operational way we're going to execute this, yeah. how many staff members do we need on site that week? Uh, how many machines do we need? How are we going to do this? How many days are we going to take for each item? It's very practical. It's the, it's yeah. it's the direct execution of the project, yeah. not the contract or the concept or the ideas or the. It's it's directly executing. And then I was in one of those meetings, on a Monday morning, and I was thinking about the church and the state of society and 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 the many homilies I had heard and been sort of disgruntled with that they weren't practical enough. Yeah. A lot of formation wasn't practical and I was thinking, oh, my, my mind dozed off in, the, in within that, I think within 10, 15 minutes of that meeting. And then finally it came back down and I thought, this is what we need for the church. We need a discussion that's practical every week, like an instruction. Uh, you can call it a toolbox meeting or a toolbox discussion for something practical where we take aspects of the faith we study it, but then we go to the next level and digest how we're going to practically execute this in our day-to-day lives, whether it's your spiritual life, your prayer life, uh, whether it's how to evangelize in the workplace, how to get good people elected, how to uh, how to actually uh, make good friends, whether it's human virtue or supernatural virtue. We want to think practically. And that, that's what's sort of missing, I believe, in the life of the church. We've got to... Get on this bandwagon of thinking practically, learning our faith, but translating it. So that's that's when I founded it in the prince in principle in 2018, late 2018. But then a good friend of mine, Father John Caddy, for the Voice of Charity Australia, Australia's only Catholic radio network, uh, which uh, Prussia Podcast also airs on.
0: Yeah.
1: A uh, big shout out to, a <laughs> uh, big shout out to Voice of Charity. Tremendous work that they do. Yeah,
0: on it's, on the analog system, the only one seven 7- exactly. one a.m. Yeah. Uh, now Radio Maria Australia has been launched in Australia, but it's exactly digital, exactly, and they did doing fantastic work as well. Yeah, both both great. But yes,
1: was Australia's the only bandwidth radio Catholic radio station in the entire country? So I was offered a uh, a segment there, and he loved the idea of the Catholic toolbox and the whole principle. And then uh, I started Lent. Um, first episode was Lent of twenty nineteen. Uh, actually, after... Uh, the day before, uh, it was the Tuesday before Ash, uh, went Wait, to the state. Okay. Um, and then you remember the first topic, the first topic was an introduction
0: okay. to the Catholic, uh, and did you know, faith did you have that, a bit of a forecast of the topics you were going to cover when you started this show, this series? I what? did.
1: I did. And a lot of the topics were how, uh, evangelizing in the workplace, doing apostolate, prayer life, uh. They're apologetics topics yes, but then yeah. translating it into at the end of the show and this is this is the theme of the show is that we translate everything that we learn in the show into three practical tools mm-hmm. what can we do like uh, practical instructions on how to take action with that particular area so that people for the week can go and and improve their application of the faith in the day-to-day life because the world's ever changing yeah. we have to adapt and I think that's the that's the evangelical success of every generation is how they can take the faith that is unchanging and perfect. How can they adapt it to the modern times and execute it in their day-to-day lives? So I wanted to produce a one-hour-a-week show mm-hmm. because people don't go through volumes of reading and and courses and everything else. Some people do, some people don't, but at least a one-hour-a-week show was for everybody. Yeah. you know, It's yeah. an instruction. It was a toolbox talk. Just like that construction site go. meeting. It was a toolbox talk, but just about the Catholic faith. Brilliant.
0: Same principle. Now, did you know at the time you were going to produce a book? Or oh, no, that came late. No, no, absolutely so, not. So tell us then, so 2019, you had your first year and you, you it was every week airing on Voice of Charity. Also, um, is it TV Maria?
1: Yeah, yeah uh, TV the, Maria in the Philippines. Yeah. So they've those, also picked it up as well. EWTN, of course. and Yeah, EWTN, uh, just yeah, like Perusia awesome. Podcast. I want to Shout out to them. A big, uh, we'll have a we'll
0: have a drink for this. Yes. Cheers to EWTN network. EWTN, of course, um, global Catholic network, uh, and um, and now, of course, with Perusia, we've been uh, promoting and working together over those those that time. I remember uh, where did the idea then um, of the first book? and I'm going to hold this up. This is the first book here, The Art of Practical Catholicism, Part One. And, uh, if, if they, if the camera can see it, but that's the first one we launched two years ago. When, uh, when did this idea come? Was it after 40 shows? Was it, do you remember when you first had the concept of the book?
1: I had the concept, uh, first concept of the book in, um, 20, at the end of 20, uh, in the middle of 2020, I I believe. Yeah. Okay. And I began to actually, it happened quite naturally. I began to actually write down my episodes. Oh, right. that way I'd reflect, I'd pray about, Oh, what are we going to talk about this week, come up with my own practical tools. And, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh and, uh, my wife finally enough said, you know, let, let your guests give the practical tools instead of, you know, I used to share the practical tools with mm-hmm. my guests. So I started, I started to compile the different topics I was speaking about in the show in mid 2020. So every single week I'd write, um, a section, try to summarize it with the hope that, uh, perhaps, uh, yeah, I, I could collect these things as they're built naturally through doing the show and produce a guide. Yes. Like a faith guide for people to take action, like an instruction manual, um, on how to take action, the different areas and practical tools. I, lo- I
0: love, I mean. That's where it topic. started. And, and you've produced this and I remember being at the launch and it was, Such a uh, great event, but your very first chapter, having the grace to start. Mm -hmm. So that's a very, very simple, a very um, uh, uh, practical concept as well, um, that it is built on grace. Um, Focusing on achieving salvation, Mm -hmm. living your liturgy, how to evangelize in your workplace, how to defend your faith in any context. And it goes on, there's 40 topics. This is in part one, 40 topics, the last one being always being prepared for death. Um, so very good. Endorsed right here by Cardinal the late Cardinal George Pell um, and Bishop uh, Richard Umbers and Deacon Harold Burke um, which is great. And then uh, the forward by Father John Flatter. Exactly. So that's um, really. So I want to congratulate on that. That's part one. And and to learn the process of how you did it was was brilliant. Uh, your weekly show, the guests would typically give the practical tools, but is that the case in the book? Are these the guest practical tools or yours in the book? Come, they're mine yeah yours. so yeah. I, what what happened in mid 2020 was i started to
1: want to just I, I wanted to write the whole episode my uh down and prepare for it in a written form yes i wanted to produce my own practical tools uh to ha- you know perhaps as notes for the show mm. so, uh, but i'd never give them uh i, I i'd uh, eventually i'd give uh, my guests the practical tools and uh so i'd expect from my guests to give me the practical tools. Yeah. So. So no, the book is uh, purely my own practical tools uh, because, uh, and listening to these great guests and getting ideas, and that's the whole principle of the Catholic, uh, of the art of practical Catholicism is just like in the book at the back, I provide notes and resolutions, a section for people Mm -hmm. to actually come up with their own practical tools, their own, their own things. So I'm not trying to impose in the book, my practical tools on most people, though they may find them helpful in giving instruction, but some may not be relevant to some people, but I, I, what I do in the book is essentially instill in you the art of practical Catholicism, which is a mindset of learning the faith and then translating, coming up with ways, okay, how can we do this? How can, I, how can I take action? What can I do to increase my prayer life? How can I not doze off in my prayer life? How can I actually bring up our Lord in the workplace? Just the practical ways I can take action, the tools, the practical yeah, tools. Brilliant. So
0: that's what I think separates. So am mine, yeah. This this for many other apostle I've seen out there. Um, you've you've really made it uh an important part of, of what the Catholic toolbox is. It's just walking away each episode and each chapter now, uh, with three practical tools. And and let's face it, after even hearing uh, five minutes of some content, even maybe this podcast, people are gonna uh, forget what you said there's always that takeaway and and we can always remember three takeaways. That's what I love about you've made it part of the DNA of the Catholic toolbox is there's three takeaways um, inspired by your work um, and now applied to the Catholic faith. And I think it's going to um, uh, have a huge impact. It already is. And I think uh, I see volumes of this. Can you see volumes over time? Yeah, pretty... I can. Yeah. yeah. very. I
1: mean, we're in a TikTok age today. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> We're in Instagram TikTok age. Yeah where we we, we lie i think we we're, we're very time-poor as a society mm. uh, especially in the western world so having uh, things that are succinct um are really getting to the point yeah uh, it, what frustrated me a little bit was you know hearing some homilies and some talks and some instructions uh, which were great but I was like oh it would be great if I, if I had some practical tools out of this how can we then take action because that's often what people remember what could I do tomorrow? They take three notes. Takeaways, three takeaways. Make the resolution and beautiful. go take action.
0: Very Trinitarian too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Number three. <laughs> now,
0: now, there. Yeah. speaking of three, there are three books and I'm holding in my hand. Uh, number one, that's art of, the Art of Practical Catholicism right there. We've got number two was this little booklet I hold in my hand. And this one is the Service Toolbox. I like that. A Spiritual and uh, Ritual Guide to Serving the Liturgy. It's got you on the on the front cover there because you've served, yeah. You've emceed. Um, uh, this was not that long after the first book that this was released. What inspired you to write this little booklet?
1: I think as I, I, uh, from twenty twenty to mid about mid twenty, um, I started writing the the Our Practical uh, Practical Catholicism number one mid twenty twenty to twenty twenty one. But then once I finished, I was editing the manuscript. I was thinking about the liturgy a lot at that time. It was during a lockdown during, it was actually during the first lockdown.
0: Okay. Yes. Uh,
1: where I really, really, um, well, we were being locked down from the liturgy and, uh, we were deprived of the mass that I was very much in my prayer life. The liturgy, I was thinking about the liturgy and the, the, the sacred rituals and we all missed the mass, you know, uh. It got to the point where we we had no mass. I think for about a month. That was that short first lockdown, yeah. in twenty. No Easter Sunday. Uh, no Easter Matthew. Sunday. No Easter Sunday. Yeah. And and I I began to to alter serve back in when I was younger in about two thousand and after my reversion straight away, I took an interest in liturgy, because the liturgy fascinated me the whole principle of uh, the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Eucharist and the reverence in the mass. I began to deduce when I studied the theology of the mass, the lex uh, credendi and I came back to the faith. I then started to infer, well, okay, if this is a sacrifice, we should really have some heaps of reverence for this liturgy. And that wasn't the case that I'd saw in the average parish life. Sometimes it, uh, when I was studying my faith and come back to the faith in year 10, I was looking around and thinking am I the only one who believes in the real presence of the Eucharist mm. you know just maybe by, just uh, and not judging people but I I did not uh, feel the sense of reverence in your average parish life for me and, and a lot of it came from the sanctuary from the lit- uh, from the liturgy the the standard of service um was actually to be quite frank a uh, It wasn't the highest standard. Um, uh, uh, And I I read that, it really solidified my view when I attended in 2011, Maternal Heart of Mary Catholic um, uh, Chapel back then, but now it's a personal parish, Maternal Heart of Mary in Lewisham, experienced the traditional Latin Mass, and I saw, wow, this this is a standard of serving Mm. that reflects the theology I was reading about. So I learnt all that theology, and then I saw that practically, get practically executed in that Mass. But at the same time, I did grow up in St. Patrick's Cathedral, Parramatta, and it has the highest standard of liturgy as well for the new rite of Mass, for the Novus Ordo. So I was, always, I was then quickly after exposed to beautiful, reverent liturgy done well of the Novus Ordo and the Latin Mass, and I saw, wow, this is the standard I saw in the new rite of mass that perhaps things could be better improved. Yeah. And once I was, uh, and, and I like looking at small details, so I, was, I was telling a priest friend of mine back in 2011, I think in late 2010 said, oh, if only they could, uh, service could uh, walk more reverently or mm-hmm. <laughs> put their hands together or do some of these uh, more reverent things. And he said, George, can you stop complaining mm-hmm. instead of complaining, why don't you Get involved, and you make that change. Wow. So that's where it started. That's the great. journey of I start serving, and uh, obviously I've been busy, so I've stepped back from doing that. So,
0: but no, it's a great little booklet, and but that's yep, what other other servers, Acolytes, like servers, yeah, yeah. Uh, seminarians, discerning seminarians, and you know, uh, topics here: theology of the mass. Is it being is being an altar server right for me? It's a good question. Uh, the benefits of liturgical service: top ten forgotten, uh, often forgotten liturgical details. And then you have a conclusion. So it's very simple, very easy to go through. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's available on our website. So you've got, and we've got a full um, podcast on this. Exactly. And exactly. Our, uh, viewers and listeners to go back to that. We've also got one on this that we did together uh, as well. So we've got dedicated podcasts on this. Exactly. And I never seen I'm gonna put these down because what I want to do is I want to do something we haven't really done much in the previous times is dive in some of the uh, practical chapters and, exactly, and, and give people a bit exactly. of a... A practice here um, to take away. Let's let's give. Let's pick three takeaways. Let's pick three chapters. I'm going to randomly pick three, Exactly. we're going to give some practical tips from each of these chapters for our, our viewers and listeners today. Mm-hmm. And that gives them a sample. Now, this uh, latest book endorsed now by uh, Father John Flatter, mm-hmm. uh, Alan Smith from uh, Fulton Sheet today. Great, exactly. Of both of us in Canada. Myself, I I uh, feel honored to do that, and uh, I remember. When you asked me, and I, I, I couldn't help think. Yeah, seeing our friendship over the years, it's been uh, fourteen years. Fourteen years. So, and where did I first my, meet you, Charvel? It would have been around the Tim Staples tour, yeah, two thousand and nine. Well, well, that's uh, where I had
1: my reversion man. from his story. Look at that, It's yeah. beautiful, yeah.
0: How God puts people together, yeah. And uh, and you know, you were still at, in high school, last couple of years of high school, yeah. I was it 'eighty nine, graduated, yeah. You t- and we sort of, there was a few years there, maybe we we weren't in touch, but then we got, got back together. You came back to the Voice of Charity, and then we sort of reconnected again. Over exactly. It's uh, exactly. um, wonderful to see, and uh, I'm so glad God's put us back together and to see how much you've personally grown and matured spiritually um, how and, and the words of wisdom that you're now teaching and passing on. So not only what you've learned, you've interiorized it, you're now passing on doing exactly yeah. what we're all called to do. I'm absolutely grateful
1: for the strong partnership that we yeah. have. Praise God. Um doing uh, work in the vineyard of the Lord. And, and uh we have uh, one lifetime on this earth and we have to we have to do apostolate. We have to save as many we have to save our souls and get and get ourselves to heaven and so many people with us. Brilliant. Yeah,
0: brilliant. Well, I like that uh the forward was by Deacon Harold in Is this it- one. He was on a tour with us recently and we managed to be able to do an official launch of the book mm-hmm. in person. So Deacon being in Australia at the time, it was fitting to do, to the launch. And so that was last week's uh, podcast. Actually, we, we, let people know about that and they can watch that. Uh, so what we didn't really do was dive into some of the, the meat and potatoes. Let's do that now. Uh, again, just, just for those who want to know, this is 40 chapters like the first, mm-hmm. these are 40 new topics. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you continue the the legacy there um, with the three practical tools. So I'm just looking at some here. And I love, uh, let's go straight to uh, chapter three. Yeah. Apostolate in the workplace. So apostolate in the workplace. Uh, what do you discuss in this chapter? The apostolate in the workplace. And and why would you call it the apostolate in the workplace? So if, if someone, in my, in my uh, case, I work... In an apostolate, Perusia. Exactly. And that's sort of clear cut, that's simple to, to see. What about those, you know, um, those in a trade, those in office work, in in corporate world, in, in teaching, in, in, in all sorts of background? Can they do apostolate in their workplace? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Saint Jose Maria
1: Escriva uh, speaks about the fact that any work can be sanctified if it's good, honest work and it's given a supernatural dimension. Where we will raise a simple task, such as doing a report, uh, even doing, uh, even a mum at home, you know, who's looking after her kids, cleaning the house, uh, uh, or a, a man who's mowing his lawn. Any secular or earthly or temporal task can be sanctified mm-hmm. if it's given a supernatural dimension, where we take an elevator out of it's just doing, <laughs> doing a report to, hey, I'm doing this report and offering this up uh, for an intention. And, and be, and sanctifying the work by doing it in the best human form possible Mm -hmm. and sanctifying myself from this work. And then I'm able to overflow and talk about Christ in my workplace, where I work, where we we spend most of the time of our life is, is in our workplaces. Whether it's in an apostolate that you work in, it's still uh, professional work or whether it's in a secular uh, profession or whether it's uh, motherhood or whether it's looking after your sick parents, any, any task can be sanctified. Uh, say Jose Maria speaks about this and I refer to him many times in the book. So doing a in the workplace entails, um, several things to do the work. Well, Mm -hmm. to be the best at your profession, Mm -hmm. because by doing the work to the best of your ability and, Some people may stop and say, well, what does that have to do with God and evangelizing? And what can being the best at your profession do to help you evangelize? It can do a lot of things because when we're the best at our profession, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a lawyer, whether you run a business by being a good, honest professional who is, uh, when I say the best at my profession, it's somewhat colloquial to the fact that you're good at your profession and you try to aspire to be the best whatever that means, it's yeah. up for interpretation. But to be the best in your profession, mean, uh, and by doing that, you develop a certain level of prestige. People look at you in a, in a way that, oh, well, this person provides good value. And so that way, on a human level, on a, in terms of human virtue, you've opened them up to respecting you. Yeah. And, and you have that prestige built up with people. And then from there, you can move on to, um, to do apostolate with those people because they respect you for the good work that you do. You put in that extra time that, that coworker who needed help, um, and has a family, you stayed back with him that hour when you didn't have to, but, and you spend most of your life in that workplace, whether it's an apostolate working for the church, whether it's a secular profession, it's all, it all has that same uh, value. Then from there, we can actually, um, by being the best at what we do, we're then able to take that uh, to the next level. And people, people then see, as First Peter 3.15 says, uh, sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ in your hearts and always be ready to give an apologia or a defense or an explanation for the hope that lies within you with meekness, kindness, and respect. So then when people see the hope that lies within us by the way we work, we can then have those conversations in the workplace. Perfect. We can then speak about, uh, one of the methods I actually speak about is the weekend method, uh, the weekend method, what we, what I did on the weekend. People ask yeah. about the weekend. And you can always slip in church or if it's Lent, you can always slip in, uh, oh, well, I fast, you know, during Lent. and
0: <laughs> So start a conversation. Start a conversation. They're asking <laughs> and that's when you plant the seed. Uh, exactly. So generally, if people ask what you've done on the weekend, uh, I, I, I can imagine not many people would have said church. <laughs> yeah. I would say all well, the other events except for church, exclude exactly. that, exactly. include that deliberately. Yeah. And that might spark, Oh, I haven't been to church in a long time. Or, yeah. What are you doing? I, it's a bit
1: tricky. I it puts it. you under obligation to do your work well, because yeah. look, the reality, look, point. let's accept the harsh reality. If we don't do our work well, or it's not about sometimes not making mistakes, but if by doing your work well and being honest, having a good attitude and people see that in you. You're there to work. You're not there to evangelize. People know that it's all about going to work to do your work. So when you develop prestige in your work, they've already people have already
0: opened up. Yeah, to you're and, and they to stand on. you are going to like stand you're on. Not he's a good, good at, at your work. Right away, it's like, well, what? You're way wasting your time telling me about stuff that's not related to my work. Exactly. You're not even
1: well, they may dedicated asso- to it. Yeah, work. exactly. Or well, they may associate. Um, well, oh, he he. He's always late. He's always. <laughs> He doesn't put in effort in his work. Uh,
0: That's a good point. where you Oh, now he's preaching about the gospel. Yeah. So you're you're spending now too much time on something that you're not paid to do. Um, and that this is where even if it's, it's a good thing. Like you know, if you're coming late for work every day because you had you know you want to go to church before work, or you want to duck out and took an extra long lunch break because you want to go to church. Yeah. You're doing good things, but it's the time and place. It's it's is this what the the, the boss wants? Is this what you want to make sure that you're not, um, you know, falling behind on your duties. Do them first. Yeah. And, and then when you do them well, then when you've got those little moments in the day, yes, bring these conversations up when you're naturally talking about everything anyway.
1: Mm. Well, here's another Correct? one. Um, like it's that. very common among us practicing Catholics in a hostile world that we live in. It's very, very tempting to just remove ourselves from other colleagues at work mm. who may not practice the faith or may have more of a liberal agenda. They're people too that need saving. We need to be able to have a balance where we live our faith. We do not compromise, but when we go into the workplace, we actually, we actually can still socialize with, uh, with people who have differing views, yeah. may have different, uh, uh, may have different religious views, or may not like our views, or may not share our, our conser- more conservative views. You know the way things, the language of today. We need to be able to still go for a coffee, have a conversation, build that friendship with them, because that's what can bring people back to the faith. I've heard so many stories by great people who are living this in their day-to-day circumstance. And and, and then I meet some of these people and I ask, oh, well, how'd you come to the Catholic faith? They think, congratulations. They say, oh, well, I worked with this person and through the friendship, <laughs> I was eventually led to get baptized and become Catholic. There it is. I, I, I imagine it's scary to think if we don't do apostolate in the workplace, we don't do apostolate with our neighbours, we don't do apostolate. How, we, how can you imagine St Paul didn't do apostolate mm. or evangelise? So we're not called to stand on the streets and evangelise. We're called in the midst of our ordinary circumstance, there in that midst uh, where we spend most of our time, to to through friendship to bring people to Christ.
0: Love it. And um, St. Paul, uh, he was one there on the topic of doing the work well. Work as if though you're doing it for the Lord. Exactly. And then, you know, then you've, you've got a standard for yourself. And Brilliant. And, um, and I love this. Again, you've got the three practical t- uh, tips. Um, and just one of them, one way you can do this is by sharing your faith with co-workers. And you might involve inviting them to join you for a spiritual activity. So you say that as one tip. So just as an invitation, sharing some resources as well books or other resources. Um, this is all in one. Um, you also talk about uh, you can volunteer in your community. So that was good, um, going to a soup kitchen or a local charity. And the last little tip here, um, you've got uh, get involved in mentoring or some sort of, uh, make sure you're listening and be a source of support for them, be there for them. Um, mm-hmm. Really good. So three takeaways right there, Apostle in the work. Yeah. And it's all rooted in doing your work well and a friendship. Exactly.
1: I love it. Work well and friendship and that, and then through that friendship and doing your work well and which entails doing the work so well and helping others and, and being a leader. Like we all know that manager that we work with, that coworker (laughs) that that was just a leader. He cared. He went that extra mile. Do you think the person who doesn't do that, uh, as opposed to the person who is that leader, cares for his staff, cares for his team, who will uh, better dispose uh, their co-workers to receive the gospel? The one who does it well. Yeah, that's so right. that's that's a takeaway. So that's that. one
0: example. That yeah. Let's pick another random chapter here and yeah. then, uh, explore the Eastern churches. So you actually got a de- you've got a chapter dedicated to that. Chapter twenty-nine. Explore the Eastern churches. What is this chapter about? Why did you do that?
1: Well, I am uh, son of uh, Lebanese Maronite migrants mm-hmm. to Australia, and I was schooled in the tradition of the Maronites for 13 years of my life, and and though when I though I was baptised within the Latin Church and confirmed in the Latin Church, and when I had my reversion, always it's always been my spirituality, both the extraordinary and the ordinary form of the Roman rite, but but very much the Catholicity of the Church uh, I experienced in my upbringing was because I attended both the East and the West. Yeah. Western church, even though my parish was, uh, the cathedral of Parramatta, uh, so St. Patrick's cathedral, Parramatta. So, and I believe every, and what really, really annoyed me. And, and, uh, I remember this very vividly at school was, uh, we were, we were at a, uh, I I went to a Maronite school and, uh, somebody, uh, uh, and the priest had given a homily about uh, uh, Maronites being part of the Universal Church, and then somebody, some student, maybe in uh, late primary school <laughs> early high school, making noise, uh, woke up from sleeping and said, "Oh, are we Catholic?
0: <laughs>
1: are we Catholic?"
0: <laughs> they didn't know that.
1: But also, what frustrated me on the other uh, on the other in uh, on the other side of the West was. The fact that so many people never knew about the Eastern churches, mm. are they Catholic?
0: Yeah, that's right. Some don't think you can even go to the mass on Sunday. They think it's exactly a different, a different right is like a different, uh, faith. Well, no, that's not correct. We all, are they communion with Rome or well, they ask yeah. questions with suspicion.
1: And I thought to myself that it's such a shame. Yeah. There are 22 Eastern churches. We need to shed light on this. Yes. So uh, the Catholic Church consists of the Pope, the universal head of the church, the successor of St. Peter, but then you have 22, uh, sorry, 21 rites of the Eastern, 21 self-governing churches mm-hmm. uh, of the East, and one self-governing church in the Latin Church of the West. Most of the church is Latin, but then you have 21 Eastern churches. You have the Maronites, the Syrian Catholic Church, the Chaldeans, the syro Malabar, Syro-Malankara the Byzantine uh, churches, which all use the Byzantine liturgy of St. John Chrysostom, the Russian church, Ukrainian church. These are Catholic churches, the Russian Catholic church, Uh, Ukrainian Catholic church, Um, the Armenians, uh, Armenians, um, the Coptic Catholic church, uh, which by the way, um, uh, are are in prospect here in Sydney, a beautiful church. Um, So it's, and it's so fascinating to me because the fact that we have one theology that the Mass is a representation of the sacrifice on Calvary, the, the worship of God and, and the for the redemption of our souls was just amazing. And then that can be expressed in so many different rites according to the local custom and tradition, how it developed. Everyone should experience it. Yeah. Because each liturgy emphasizes something different about mm-hmm. that same theology. Like you go to the Maronite liturgy um, and that emphasizes more of, God's mercy, and uh, um, we're asking God for mercy all the time, and and the offering of incense. Mm I think before the liturgy of the word, uh, they emphasise that incense is being offered. Uh, The Latin Church is is always about in in the Latin Mass about the sacrifice of the Mass, the oblation being offered. The Byzantine liturgy emphasises a bit more about the glory of the kingdom of God. Um, yeah, no, interesting. So uh, it's a kingdom, you know, we're in God's kingdom. Heaven is coming down. So there's that There's that emphasis. And there's, it's just beautiful to experience all of them so that we can have a holistic, well-rounded, Under we can become better, well-rounded Catholics. Um, let's say if you're a Latin Catholic who's only been to the, uh, for example, your local parish offers the Novus Ordo, um, and then obviously attend the Latin mass, the extra, uh, the 1962 Missal, but then you venture out, let's look at other Eastern liturgies, such as the Byzantine liturgy. Yeah. So I, exactly. So the practical, I, I, I emphasize the four value, here. I have four, Yeah. I couldn't summarize it in three. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I spill over.
0: That's good. I mean, you've got research is one plan. Number two, connect number three and then go and better understand the diversity present um, present in the liturgical rites of the Eastern Church. You've you got to refer back to the latter rite itself and then look in, in that, that as well. So you threw that in as number four. But uh, yeah, research. So start by researching the various churches which you've given a sample. Yeah. Um, plan. Um, go and plan it and, and visit a rite, and you want to get experience. And this will fulfill your Sunday obligation. So you could pick a Sunday, um, go to an a Eastern Rite Mass, and, and that does uh, fulfill your Sunday obligation. You don't yeah. have to be in your own right. Um, if you go to another right, please do. All valid masses, all
1: valid priests, it's just a different right. You know what's actually funny is I explain this to people who don't, who, who still, after explaining to the fact that the Pope is the head of the church, yeah. all these churches may have their own liturgical customs and traditions, but they're on communion with the Pope. And we, we have the same catechism, same faith, same belief. Mm-hmm. It's just the liturgy. And I think people understand it once they say, oh, we have the Latin Mass and the Novus Ordo, And within the Latin Church, there's the Dominican Rite, the Carthusian Rite, there's the Mozarabic Rite. There's different sub, there yeah. rites within the Latin Church that yeah. are all very similar to the Latin Mass, but may have different variations. So okay. I think people then become comfortable with the idea, oh, well, there's more than one rite. You're yeah. right. There's a Latin Mass. here. Yeah, there's two. Ah, a Dominican Rite which mm-hmm. the Dominicans offer. And then the, if you go to southern France, if you're lucky, you can experience the Carthusian Rite or the Rite of Milan, which is the, um, uh, yeah, the Rite of Milan. And there's, and there's the Franciscan Rite, which is very rare to see um, with all its different variations. So the Catholic faith doesn't just translate to having the same Mass. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about our faith, however liturgically, what liturgy you feel you can better participate in. To spiritually see that theology and participate is anyone's free. I know many Latin Rite Catholics who go to Maronite churches because they love the Maronite liturgy. Yes. many Latin Rite Catholics who go to the uh, Byzantine, um, and so and vice versa. Yeah, very,
0: very much, good. very much. Had your experience of the universality of the Church? Yeah, and the East of us. You, you actually mentioned Saint John Paul II. Yeah, and breathing with the two lungs. You know, we've got to yeah. breathe with both lungs. Um, So that's beautiful.
1: And he celebrated the Byzantine liturgy with the Ukrainian Catholic Church. So this is the Pope celebrating another liturgy. Wow. And I think Pope Francis recently in his trip to Iraq, his apostolic visit to Iraq, actually celebrated a Chaldean Mass. Oh, wow. Yeah, I I watched that. I think it was was struggling a little bit because (laughs) it was translated into Italian and he couldn't do it in Arabic. Um, And also you have different priests uh, within Sydney, good friends of mine who are Latin Rite priests. But they are by ritual in, let's say, um, in different rites. Yeah. Or they've celebrate different. So any priest of the Catholic Church can, by permission, say any liturgy in principle. Mm-hmm. That I have to say the the one lit- rite. There are many rites that are valid and bring about the sacrament. Uh, ma- it's yeah. good to experience that. So you we see that we're a universal church. You experience that firsthandedly. Love it. Yeah, but- and I give practical tools on how to do that how yeah. to visit it, how to find these churches. That was I going
0: to say. Yeah, book an three. appointment
1: with the priests. Get the priest. Yeah. Many priests them. have given me tours, you know, of, oh, welcome. You know, you're welcome to our
0: church. Very open, to you.
1: Yeah. They actually really, yeah. really enjoy it.
0: Yeah. Go, go out there. That's a great tip. Go and book a, a tour. Yeah. Local Eastern Rite. Yeah. Well, um, let's do one more. Yeah. Um, in the form of three. Uh, chapter 38, you've got here, build authentic friendships. Mm-hmm. And by the, I mean, just looking at these topics that you've done, the topics themselves are practical, let alone the way you draw out practical tips. Exactly. So it's, not, it's not as if you've just gone for the really high-end, um, high theology topics um, that might be hard to understand. You've actually gone for practical topics. Yeah. So workplace, uh, go go expand your knowledge of the church through visiting yeah. an Eastern Rite, um, and now friendships. So very practical stuff here. But let's dive into that. Um, what is this chapter about and how is this sort of tied into the Catholic faith anyway? We'll mm-hmm. talk, talk about that. So
1: friendships are very, very important because friendships are what uh, allow us to be in communion with each other. And essentially, as I mentioned before, in doing apostolate and uh, bringing people to Christ, it has to be done through friendship. Yeah, I think we don't live in a time, I think that, I mean, in many places you can. You we, we can stand up in the street, preach the gospel, and thousands convert. Hopefully that's the case. But uh, apostolate now, I think, uh, with different generations, needs to be done through friendship. So, identif- uh, so uh, uh, v- uh, friendship is very, very important because we need to be able to draw people to ourselves and have genuine good friendships uh, with each other. I think in today's age, many people, uh, what Pope John Paul II uh, uh, speaks against, uh, is the utilitarianism, mm. being friends with people because say, oh, there's something I can get out of them. Um, we live in an age where it, it can be hard to develop good, authentic friendships yeah. where we can truly say, oh, is this person my friend? Is this person really, uh, if I put them to the test, uh, would they be there for me? Would, um, within reason. So I, I wanted to dedicate a chapter to that, to give to allow people to reflect you know, the people in our lives uh, and, and, also to be that good friend. Yeah. We can't, we can't attract good people that are our true friends. If we're not going to be the, the ideal friend yeah. that will, because friendship needs to be built on virtue. And this is not saying that everyone has to be Catholic. I have many great friends who don't share my faith or are atheists, uh, um, but they have good human virtue and we can be friends and from that good human virtue if somebody hasn't come to Christ you can expound upon that you can elevate them to the supernatural dimension yes yes it's much easier if they have that human virtue so i want people to 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 think about their friendships in that chapter and and think to themselves okay well i need to be surrounded by good people as well because the as um uh 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 as the famous saying goes, uh, you're, you're the sum of the, the five people that you yeah, spend your time with. Right. So environment's also important. Yeah. So if we're not surrounded by good, virtuous people, then we can't be, uh, we're not in a good environment that can then influence and have an impact on us so that we can be a good person to others. Um, so I really want to talk about friendship in that chapter. Yeah. Brilliant.
0: Yeah. Well, you got, um, I love, you, you know, you, you're expanding in the chapter, um, constant check-ins with one another. A uh, good friend. It's its not just merely a coffee catch-up. Exactly. you more and beyond that. Exactly. Uh, your three tips here are active listening and being attentive to what they're saying. Exactly. Um, that's a great tip. Uh, number two is participate in one another's interests. It's so like a good friend isn't just doing their own thing. They want to do what their friend wants to do. So exactly. That's a very good tip. Very simple.
1: And I think i i, I it's hard to find from, yeah, my, from speaking to a lot of people, at least from my first-hand experience, it can be hard to find that character and those virtues in people today, because I think uh, we're very busy. We're preoccupied in ourselves, and to, a, a lot of friendships you can just tell from what people are telling me are just coffee catch-ups mm-hmm. here and there. And and if you got into trouble, for example, could you call? Uh, could you call that person? Or or if you have an achievement, or if uh, there's something great in your life and you want to share with that person. Can you call that person? So it's about really examining who are my friends and yes. am I a good friend first and foremostly? Right. Because you you can't, we can't put the finger at other people and expect someone to show our friends and we're not living that ourselves. Very true. I think by being something yourself, you attract the same uh, people to you, you know, something similar. So to, uh, checking in with people is something um, very, very important. I have a very good friend of mine there. Uh, who always used to check in with me um, and still does, you know, every two weeks. Yeah. You know, it's sort of part of the routine. Yeah. I have other friends who do that, but they'll call me, ask me a question. How are you going? What's happening? <laughs> and it's funny, my mum does the same thing as well. Oh, great. You know, she'll call every day. Uh, how are you today? <laughs> nothing's changed since yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I think it may be a Lebanese thing. Lebanese people, are
0: understand. Constantly checking in. But it's a, it's a, yeah. It's a practice, yeah, just... Uh... Checking in, keeping in touch with your friend. Yeah. And you've got here number three, to be honest and vulnerable. Honesty and vulnerability are essential for true relationships. You expand on all these, by the way. In the, yeah. I'm just giving everyone a three. There's so much to speak about um, in there. But very good. Uh, so much to speak about and so much to reflect about as well. Yes. What I love about it, the format is very easy. Um, the, the text is a good size. It's it's easy, nicely spaced, and you've got the three practical tips. Yeah. Nice and, and uh, straightforward. You do have um, at the very end the notes and practical resolution mm. so people can take notes for themselves. Um, you got a bit about the Catholic Toolbox. Further recommended reading, that's great. You've even got in there the Ten Commandments, um, yeah. a prayer to St. Michael, um, and a conclusion. So, Why, why did you um, feel to put the Ten Commandments and the prayer to St. Michael in this? Well,
1: the prayer to St. Michael uh, will allow us to,
0: uh, um, to
1: approach this as spiritual battle. Because we're fighting every, every single day we wake up and there's a spiritual war waged against us. And and the prayer of St. Michael really affirms mm. to us that we have to keep struggling and we have to fight and invokes the help of St. Michael in this fight. Yes. Because this is really, really a fight. Wow. We have to fight. to It, it, it is a fight to, to live human virtue, to evangelize, to remain uh, pr- uh, vigilant in your day-to-day spiritual life. So, and somebody actually recommended to me, uh, <laughs> I was reading the manuscript. They said, why don't you put in the prayer to St. Michael hmm. that could really help people at the end of the book and to really pray, uh, pray the prayer to St. Michael and the 10 commandments, uh, to facilitate an examination of conscience yeah, as well. And to, to really emphasize the, the human and supernatural virtues that are required there. So we put them at the back as a little resource yeah. for people.
0: And for yeah. reading Great list, as well as partners. So I just want to show, I mean, partners, you've got two pages full of partners. Yeah, they've grown since uh, the first book. That's right. So <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Uh, some of the Voice of Charity, of course, uh, Parousia, Radio Maria, Australia, EWTN, Cradio, uh, you got TV Maria, The Crane Media, Deacon Halberg-Sivers, and Bishop Sheen today. Yeah. Great, solid uh, partners there. Look, this is fantastic. I love this, um, The Art of Practical Catholicism. Uh, your faith guide yeah, <laughs> brought to you by the Catholic toolbox as well. Um, looking forward to getting through all of this, um, just in closing f- final remarks, who would this book be for? Who, who, what's your sort of target audience for something like this? Anybody above
1: the age of reason, mm-hmm. uh, to high school, especially high school and above.
0: Okay. So teenagers could pick this up very easily. Yeah, and 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 just myself looking through it, it is very easy to follow, very easy to read. You could you could get through this in one sitting if you Mm -hmm. wanted to. Yeah, um, or you could actually space this out and sort of do like a forty day challenge. Exactly, and just do one day on the focus on this, the next day, and that might be a a beautiful way of doing
1: it. As his Grace uh, Bishop Richard Umbers uh, in his endorsement of the first book, actually suggested he said uh, this could be stimulus for good spiritual reading. Yeah. Um. But mainly it's there for reflection. So each chapter will incite reflection in people, people to take it up and actually think about these principles. And they may actually think, oh, well, I have my own practical resolutions. I might actually want to do it a different way, and that's good because I'm getting people to think with the art of practical Catholicism. It's a mindset. I speak about it and I emphasize it very importantly in the second book that it's a mindset to to not just learn our faith, but to actually execute it. We have to live it. And and what saddens me a lot is that when I meet great Catholics that practice their faith, is um, I don't see an urgency to actually build their spiritual life sometimes. There's no urgency uh, to to work on their spiritual life and there's no urgency to take action, do apostolate. I think that book can really change the way you think and rewire, uh, rewire your mindset. And put you on the path because uh, over the two books, there's 80 topics. Yes, there's so many topics, but it will. Uh, as as my fr- good friend uh, Alan J. Smith, uh, who endorsed the back of the book at the back of the book, yes. said, he he read the manuscript and uh, uh, we, we. I have uh, coffee on Saturday mornings every couple of weeks, yes. and we talk over Zoom. And it's his evening; it's my morning. Canada or Australia? Yes. And he said to me, oh, I just read it." And it's a, uh, it's a spiritual workout. I feel like I'm in a boot camp here, you know? <laughs> Each topic, practical tool. Each topic, practical tool. Each topic, this is what I have to do. This is what I have to do. It, 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 I keep pounding you with practical tools. Yes. And at the end of it, it, it eventually will, the topic will fade away um, because you'll be equipped with the mindset by reading these two books. You'll be and listening to the show consistently every single week. You'll be equipped with, uh, with obviously tools for each topic and suggestion to live your week but you'll get into the habit and the mindset of the art of practical catholicism which is to be proactive in taking the faith digesting it executing it straight away with developing practical tools and hitting your targets the for the salvation of our soul here on the catholic toolbox it's about getting to heaven yeah sometimes we cloud that we take initiatives and we forget about that but that's that's the whole goal, to live our faith, to take action so we can save our soul and save as many people with us. I'm glad to see so many clergy in their homilies uh, adapting to this mindset and so many people in their talks. Fantastic. And, uh, adapting, you can hear some changes in uh, people who do regularly listen in the, in their approach to the practical, uh, the practical aspects of the faith or getting to the practical. How can we take action?
0: I love that. Um, yes, um, that's a good point. It's not just George's practical tips. Yeah. Start taking on this mindset so you can come up with your own practical tips, what, exactly. your own takeaways. Exactly. Love that. Yeah. If
1: you go to a marriage uh, council meeting or if you're at a youth group meeting or if there's a faith meeting, we talk about it, but let, how can we strategize? Yeah. What can we do to live our faith, bring people to Christ and and, and be uh, be more um, uh, systematic and strategic, mm. as, as I like right. to put it?
0: Well done. Well, congratulations again, Georgia. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so us. much. It's the Perusia podcast and looking forward to the next 40. Um, <laughs> and if people want to, um, so listen to your show and I wonder if they can go back to your previous shows and try line up the chapters with those shows, could they do that?
1: Absolutely. So yeah, there are where some can topics. they go? Uh, they can go to the Catholic com. That is yeah. show.com That's my website for the show. Uh, and they can go follow us on every social media platform. So they can go to Facebook and follow The Catholic Toolbox, uh, Instagram, The Catholic Toolbox. And most importantly is the podcast that people yeah. can follow us on. And that is just simply The Catholic Toolbox. And you'll find uh, the shield with the keys and the tool, yeah. uh, the spanner. Uh, and uh, uh, people should be able to find it there. So we're on every single podcast platform. So people can, again, essentially go to our website, The Catholic Toolbox Show, dot uh, com and they can subscribe to our weekly alert newsletter Excellent. alert and they can also uh, download the podcast on any podcast platform whether it's spotify or whether it's on iTunes, uh, itunes on android um, every single platform we're available so the catholic toolbox hit subscribe button and, uh, and follow us so we'll is. be able every single week brilliant. to participate in different topics thank you sir. same mindset Practical. I a lot
0: tools. Um, and and Perusia is, is proud to be able to um, work with you on this and publish these three. Uh, so this is it. I've got the full set now. Um, at the moment, we've got the, the altar service toolbox. We've got Art of Practical thousand Part 1 and Art of Practical Tholism Part 2 now available. Perusiamedia.com under the store. Get it while, while, while it's available right now in stock. The physical books are there. Please get one. So thanks again, George. Pray Thank you so much for having us. And the prayers. And, and thank you, everyone, for joining us. That's another Parousia podcast. Do the same. Check out the Catholic Toolbox um, uh, show. The the, the, artwork, the Art of Practical Tholism is now out. And get onto that uh, that podcast uh, today. And and subscribe to this one as well, Parousia Podcast. We're on all these platforms. And please share this with family and friends. We're on our YouTube channel. Go onto the YouTube channel. Subscribe. Click the bell. And you'll be up to date with all the latest content. 100% free. And it's growing every single week. So, Please get there and and spread the word. God bless you, everyone. Until next time, take care.